You may have noticed something about the name Knight Frank, the second of those two words in particular. Frank. We've always prided ourselves on being just that with our clients, and never more so than now. So if you're thinking of selling or letting your home, contact your local Knight Frank office. We'll give you a frank opinion of its value, frank advice on the best pricing strategy, and a frank estimation of how quickly it will sell or let. What else would you expect from Knight Frank, your partners in property? Hello and welcome to At Home With, a podcast in the residential business at Knight Frank. At Home With offers a glimpse inside the lives of some of the world's foremost property experts, their clients and our partners. And every week you'll be hearing conversations with interesting people from across the world about how they made it to where they are today, how they found their dream homes and how we can help you find yours. I'm your host, journalist and social media executive at Knight Frank, Rebecca Hills. Today I'm joined by Catherine Holton, an Associate and Regional Operations Coordinator for the Central London region. Catherine and I had the most incredible and inspiring conversation about the illustrious world of performing arts, why she is determined to make the property industry more balanced and accessible, and how her experience of cervical cancer shaped her life. Catherine began her career at Night Frank as an office manager in our Horsham office, before being promoted to the role of Operations Coordinator for the Central London region in 2019 and becoming an Associate in 2020. Prior to her property career, Catherine was a musical theatre performer and actor's agent. In 2012, Catherine was diagnosed with cervical cancer, but after receiving chemotherapy, she was given the all clear in 2013. And as a result of this experience, Catherine has been interviewed across both television and radio in order to raise awareness around cervical cancer. Catherine, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the podcast. Hello, good afternoon. How are you today? How are things going at the moment? Obviously, we're still in lockdown as we speak, but how have things been for you recently? Lockdown 03, definitely the hardest one yet, I think. Um... especially with the weather with all this rain it's just so hard to get motivated to exercise and that is something that has helped me through the different lockdowns but lockdown three is by hardest at the moment we're getting there there's light at the end of the tunnel yeah absolutely it feels like it's it's dragging on forever because we know we're going to get out of it eventually but there's no there's no promise of when that's going to be no and there's things that you just hear in the media and I think you have to make an intelligent decision. I know that personally I've deleted some of my news apps um, just because I've got fed up of reading different stories and what to believe and what's fake news. So I'm just concentrating on myself, my health and well-being. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. We've got these vaccines and let's just crack on. Let's roll them out. And hopefully we will start to see lockdown three ending and then that will be it and we can finally see everyone in person perhaps at some stage this year without a face mask so who knows and give our loved ones a hug yeah absolutely definitely I think we're all very much ready for that to happen now and how have you found the experience of of working from home and being that more a little bit more disconnected from the, the property world and being in the office at work It's certainly been a challenge. Part of my role is going around to all of the offices that make up the central London region. So that's 13 of them. And so I have a lot of interaction with the team. Um, And now I'm just sat at home in my lounge. And not only do I not see my 
team members in the offices. I also don't see the other ladies that do the operations coordinator role. So we all like have to meet on Microsoft Teams. So it's, it's definitely been a challenge, but one that I think we've overcome. And as a firm, I think we've adapted really well um, and we are working to the best of our ability. It's certainly, I think you have to sometimes take a step back because you can be on your laptop all day for every hour. So you do need to make sure you put into your diary some time to walk away from the screen and get outside into the fresh air, have a run, walk, whatever. But I think, I think we've adapted really well and I'm certainly missing all of the guys. Um, so hello to everyone and hopefully I will see you in person soon. And, and obviously, from an operations perspective, it must have been hu a huge amount of effort that's gone into kind of sourcing everything out from the past year. What have you found that has really worked? And did you find that whole process of going into lockdown and having to kind of take everybody out of their offices and get everybody working from home incredibly difficult? It was a huge process. And I can remember when we were entering into lockdown number one, um, the operations team were called into meetings every morning and I'd actually use that time to be on the call, but I would be outside walking around because I knew the day that was gonna be hectic and I'd be stuck at my screen all day. But it takes, it takes a huge amount of organization to get people out of offices and then back into offices. And what was difficult is that you're literally waiting for government guidelines to be issued and then you have to implement them really quickly and that's what's tough but luckily we had all of these boards in place that would meet early hours in the in the morning and then feed back to the operations team and then we would issue the instructions out to the offices mm, yeah that sounds like it was a stressful but ultimately quite successful thing that happened and we'll definitely go on to talk about that later on in the conversation when we dig into your role in a bit more depth but to start at the beginning it'd be great to take it back and look at where how you've ended up where you are today in your career so would you mind giving us a bit of an insight into how you ended up in the property industry in the first place yeah certainly I mean I have two interests in life in my career. One of them is performing and one of them is property. And after I finished drama school, I did a year stint as a lettings property manager. And that was basically, I took this job, not really knowing much about it. And it was to save money to fund my move to London. Um, so I did that for a year. And I was like, do you know what? I quite, I quite like property, but my interest is performing arts and that's what I trained in and that's what I'm going to go and do. So I went off to London, did all of that, retired and headed back to Horsham, where I'm from in West Sussex. And I thought, what am I going to do now? And I was like, do you know what? Nothing else interests me other than property. So let's get in touch with the firm that I used to work for and see if they've got any job roles. And fate, they did. And I accepted a job role with them that was working in their IT department. I knew nothing about IT. However, I took the role on. It was working on their help desk, supporting their front offices. And then from there, I moved to Knight Frank and here we are now. And what was it in particular about the property industry that kind of kept you hooked and kept that passion going? I think I'm just a generally a little bit nosy. 
I like looking at houses. That that's that's what it is. I I love the different types of houses you get, and especially in West Sussex, where you have so many country estates. You have quirky little listed cottages. Um, and then you have the different townhouses. We have one of the oldest streets in Britain. Um, so that there's some beautiful houses down there. And I'm just, I'm generally nosy. And I'd like to know the history of the house and what it looks like inside and how people have done their decoration, um, visualizing if I live there, where would I put my TV, that kind of thing. So that's basically it. I'm nosy. <laughs> no I'm completely the same I, I found that before I started working at, at Night Frank I was still that person who despite being about the age of kind of 14 15 would go on right move and look inside and be like oh that's amazing I'm never going to be able to afford it but that's amazing uh, so I completely relate to that part and and obviously you mentioned there that you started off kind of in the performing arts industry and I think there's a little bit of a correlation between property and kind of performance because to be and obviously you're not in and kind of an agent role but you're to be in the property industry at all you do need to have a little bit of a persona you do need to be able to perform and, and act in a certain way in order to interact with clients do you think that there is that overlap between the two industries I do and I think all of the auditions that I used to attend you're basically going in for job interviews each time and when you're in any situation, regardless as to what industry you work in, there's always going to be that point where inside you're probably not feeling particularly confident, but you have to act as if you are. You have to come across as if you know what you're talking about, even if inside you, you don't really know and you're thinking of things off the top of your head to say. Um, but there's been a number of times in my career where I've taken a step back and I've gone right, you can do this, um, you can come across as confident, you can come across as you know what you're talking about and use your strengths. Remember all of those auditions that you went to where you were being judged at every point and adapt that to your career that you're in now. So there's definitely an overlap. It prepares you. Everything we did at college, we were told that most of you in this class will fail in performing arts industry. You won't work. And they're not being brutal, they're just preparing you for that industry. And you have you develop this thick skin and that, in a way, really helps you going forward because at the end of the day, if you don't get that job role, it might not be to do with you're not good enough. It's just, at the end of the day, it might not have been the firm for you. You just move on, you pick yourself up, you look at your strengths, you adapt and you overcome. You build on your strengths and you use them to your best ability. Mm, no, I couldn't agree more. I think that's such a an underrated um, skill that anybody should have in their career is that resilience and the ability to, to come back from what might be defined as, in quotation marks, a failure or not getting something or not doing something the right way and then being able to then, yeah, come back from it and say, okay, well, this is something that's happened, but let's build on it and move into the next thing. And you mentioned that 
obviously when you first took that that second job in property at the firm you worked at initially you started off in IT not really kind of knowing anything about that side of the industry do you think that because of that resilience because of that kind of almost fake it till you make it confidence and capacity to want to adapt to things do you think that was a skill that you had that inspired that move and has led you to taking on lots of different things within the property industry as you've gone up the ranks yes for sure I mean I got when I got that job offer and they said it was in the IT department I remember thinking I know absolutely nothing about computers if it doesn't work you turn it off and on again isn't that what everyone does um but I thought, do you know what? I want to get into this firm. This is a job they have. They believe in me. So therefore, they must think I have the skill set to do it. So I took on the role and I adapted it and I developed it to my strengths. And eventually, you kind of, I became this administrator um, and taking on different office manager responsibilities, which then I obviously went into Knight Frank as an office manager. Um, so you do adapt and overcome. And it's even with the performing career. I I was always musical theatre, but I remember getting offered a place at drama school on an acting course. And I was devastated. I was like, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to be a straight actor. I want to do musical theatre. Um, and my drama teacher at the time said to me, he was like, you want to go to this drama school, take the place on the acting course, and then you can transfer. And that's exactly what I did. So take your blinkers off when people offer you these opportunities because you never know where they're going to lead. Mm, I think that's amazing advice because I think so often people kind of get their blinkers on and they think I'm only going to do this one thing and and if I can't get that then I just can't do it and actually it's it's all about looking at the industry you want to get into and finding a way in because once you're in that's the point when you can start making those connections and you can start building on yourself and gaining the skills and getting used to the industry which in the grand scheme of things will look a lot better than if you do lots and lots of different things that don't necessarily correlate to it rather than just jumping in and doing something that may not be number one on your list of things to do, but actually is going to get you into the industry. And so to anybody looking to get into property as a career, be that in the administrative side, be that in the operational side, or be that in the, the sales side, what advice would you give to them? I would say find a mentor in the industry, connect with them and see if they can assist you in your career. There's so many people out there in this industry, in whatever industry you want to go into, that are open to being mentors and guiding young people. Um, I think for me, that is a huge part of how I see myself. Um, I see a lot of my office managers as young people at the beginning of their careers, not necessarily knowing where they want to go, where they want to end up. But part of my job is to chat with them, work on their strengths, even highlight to them what their strengths are and build on that and see where we can take their career. And I'm all for people moving to different departments if someone suddenly has this strength that develops and that could be in HR accounting it could be in management it's it's taking that making them realize it giving them the training 
and then mentoring them through their career and being there to advise. And I think that's hugely important. And I know that Knight Frank are working on this mentoring program at the moment, and I'm really excited about it because I think it's so beneficial. And every job that I've had, I've always found someone that I have looked up to and aspired to and take advice from and, you know, ring them when I need some sense drummed into me. Um, but that's my advice. Find find a mentor and let them be a guide because you never know what you're missing. If you've got those blinkers on, it's always best just to have someone else from an outsider's point of view just opening your, your eyes. Mm, yeah, definitely. And, and speaking from a personal perspective as well, I know that mentoring has had a huge impact on on my career and the way that I see my my career trajectory developing so I completely agree that's amazing advice and and you mentioned there the role that you play in in mentoring people and helping people with their careers and alluded to the fact that you sit um here at Night Frank on our internal people board so for anybody both internally or externally who doesn't know what the people board is would you mind giving us a bit of an insight into it? Sure. It's something which I'm delighted to now be a part of. Um, Beverly Kennard and Gary Hall kindly invited me onto the board this year. So I've only attended a couple of meetings, but we are a group of people that represent the different divisions of Knight Frank. We work together to come up with different ideas that will benefit all of our employees and that ranges from celebrating diversity, inclusion, staff benefits and there's some really exciting projects that are coming up. I know that everyone is aware of Dynamic Working which will be launched somewhere later in the year once COVID is out the way but that's all come from the People's Board. Uh, we work very closely with the Balance Board uh, with Kat and Jason, and they have some excellent ideas coming through. So watch this space because both the People's Board and the Balance Board have got some exciting things coming up. And for you, why was it important to be involved with the People's Board? Why was it that you you sought out that opportunity in order to promote things like diversity and inclusion and get a kind of more balanced and people-focused workforce here at Night Frank? I think I faced a huge struggle when I switched careers between performing and uh, property. Um, to me, I felt I faced a lot of unconscious bias. And I know that with the People's Board, we are working with the recruitment team on how Knight Frank can be leaders by changing the approach we use for recruitment so we're not being unconsciously biased. Um, I had so many people say to me when I was switching from performing to property, um, oh, I think, yeah, your CV is really good, but do you not think this role would be boring for you? Because your role right now must be so exciting. And Little did they know, I was sat in a damp basement on Drury Lane negotiating contracts to the early hours of the morning and dealing with license paperwork so a child act actor could actually go and do a job. It, it's not all glitz and glamour. So for me, being on the people's board is about having a voice. And I think 
my advice to anyone in a firm is have a voice and speak up because if you have opinions then they need to be heard and people may be sat there with these great ideas but don't feel confident enough to put them forward and so I urge people to reach out to any member of the People's Board if they want us to raise anything or have an idea, just reach out to us and we can certainly put it forward. Mm, I think that's that's hugely important and thank you so much for, for mentioning that, the idea of unconscious bias, because I think so often people talk about getting into the industry and they talk purely from a oh, I found that they were prejudiced against me for my background or prejudiced against me for this thing. And obviously those are hugely important issues that need to be touched on, but we don't talk about that that unconscious bias and we don't talk about the nuances of recruitment that have led to a lot of, a lot of industries only selecting and recruiting a certain kind of person. So I think that's really valuable to talk about. And kind of touching on that a little bit more, when you, you came into, into the property industry, you said you faced that unconscious bias. As a person, you seem like you have um, an almost quiet confidence and that you're quite self-assured and that comes from your, your performing arts background. But did you face any moments of almost imposter syndrome or anxiety when you first entered the industry as a result of experiencing that unconscious bias in the recruitment process? Certainly, I think everyone does, especially when you first start in a role. I think confidence has a big part to play. Um, you need to focus on your strengths and remember that a firm has hired you because they believe in you and you have the skill set to do the job. You need to take your strengths and build on them. Um, personally, I knew that I was good at doing an administrative job and I knew that my job in performing arts, once I'd finished my actual performing career, I moved into being an actor's agent and that is being on the telephone, that is negotiating contracts, that is filling in paperwork, getting licenses, meeting deadlines, organizing people's diaries, dealing with fan mail. And so it's all administrative. So I know that I can do these jobs that I'm applying for. And if I can go into the job interview being confident in my skill sets, which I am, then I know that I will come across as confident as I can be, which gives me the best opportunity to secure that job. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And it is all about having that almost self-awareness and not self-knowledge to be able to say, no, I know I can do it. And that's what picks you up when you do have those, those moments of, of insecurity or imposter syndrome. And to divert ever so slightly and speak about something that you, you mentioned in an email to me, um, which is obviously a hugely sensitive and personal subject. So thank you so much for, for mentioning it to me so that we could talk about it. But in 2012, you were diagnosed with, with cervical cancer and luckily recovered in, in 2013. And I can imagine this was an incredibly traumatic and, and difficult experience that, and the way that it shapes your life going forward is not even understandable from anybody who, who hasn't been through it themselves. But would you mind telling us a little bit more about this experience and how it's shaped you from a kind of personal and a professional perspective? Yeah, 2012 was a huge inconvenience for me. It was my worst year ever. Um, at the age of 33, with no symptoms, being perfectly healthy, living a healthy lifestyle. I, I've danced since the age of three. I still dance now. I've never stopped. Um, I don't smoke. I don't drink that much. And then 
to suddenly get this diagnosis, which came about from just a routine um, cervical smear test, which every lady should have, and I urge every lady to attend. Um, it came about that I got this phone call that they wanted to call me back, and they said, this isn't good news, this is cancer. And literally, I walked into that consultant's room, one Catherine, and came out a different Catherine. I, I call them Catherine BC, before cancer, and Catherine AD, after diagnosis. It all came about at a very strange time in my life. I'd literally, I decided to retire from performing arts and move out of London and move back to Horsham. And this all happened at the same time. So my performing career is all the Catherine BC. It all happened before cancer. And then my pro property career is all Catherine AD. It's the after cancer. Um, and for anyone that is worried about going to cervical screenings, anything like that, I say to them, go for five minutes of being uncomfortable. I can tell you it's way better than having chemotherapy, radiotherapy, having this diagnosis hanging over you, the operations you have to go through, the countless number of tests, the stress it puts on your immediate family. I, I, I couldn't work during my treatment because I was wiped out. And it's, it's not just feeling tired. It's a, a tiredness that you, you can't explain. Your, your brain doesn't function. You're like in, in a fog the whole time. So you don't have time just to sit there and read and watch TV whilst you're having your chemo or anything. I literally lay on a bed and didn't really open my eyes. And at the lowest point, I do remember thinking I'm too tired to deal with this and I don't want to open my eyes, but something keeps you going. And with the help of my husband he wasn't he was a boyfriend at the time he's now now my husband my mum my friends my sister I got through it and in 2013 in fact 2013 about now about end of January I got the all clear but the consequences of that in order to save my life they had to take my fertility so you then have to build your life around the fact of perhaps you're sat there thinking, yes, I'm going to get married and then I'm going to have children. And all of a sudden that changes and that's not your life anymore. Um, you have to deal with the mental health aspect of it because it takes time for you to process the new normal. I spent so much time just saying to my mum and Lee that I just want to feel normal, not knowing that actually normal would never come back. This is your new normal and you have to adapt to that way now. This is your body. This is how it's going to handle it. Um, so there's a whole mental aspect of it and also dealing with, oh my gosh, has it come back? How do I know if it's come back? And I don't want to be ringing my doctor every like week just because I think I've 
got an ache or something and eventually over time you get there but it's it can be very draining and for me at the time I'd just started this career in property the firm I was working for were incredibly supportive and I couldn't have asked for more I came back to work on a um, kind of part-time basis until I could build up my strength um, and slowly I started to get back into my job and then I just stayed in that role for a number of years because I wanted to feel confident in my health before I then took the next step in my career and moving to Knight Frank was when I was ready I felt I was back back to my utmost health I was back running I was back doing my ballet I was doing everything I was doing before and I had the confidence again to step forward and push my career along and move away from a firm that had supported me through this whole cancer journey and take a leap of faith and I haven't looked back. Thank you so much for sharing that story I'm a little yeah I find it as somebody who's luckily no one in my family or nobody I know has ever been affected by cancer I find it so inspirational to listen to somebody talk about it in an honest and candid way and talk about the fact that it wasn't easy because I think so often people talk about traumatic experiences in a very reflective way that kind of glosses over all the all the trickier parts and and just talk about it in a very broadcast friendly let's talk about the positive sort of way but actually by acknowledging the fact that it was traumatic and acknowledging the fact that your focus was on just regaining your health and regaining that confidence in your health before you went about pursuing different career options and things like that I think is hugely important to recognize and I think is will be hugely valuable to people as well and you mentioned there that your kind of idea and your the narrative that we're all kind of predisposed to to falling into and believing in of as heteronormative people kind of getting married having kids doing this this and this was was taken away from you and you said that that was quite difficult to to deal with did you then find yourself almost having to to motivate yourself to reframe what your idea of normal was and and is that why you've been so kind of career focused over the last few years since then in in going and doing different things and finding this new normal for yourself I think so and I've, I've always been very much a career person um but eventually yes I wanted to settle down and have children and that was my plan I met Lee and I moved back to Horsham in Sussex and I was going to have a normal job it wasn't a performing arts job and we would get married and we would have kids and that's not how our life has planned out but we've adapted and you know we we got married we decided to have a low-key wedding out in the Caribbean in Grenada and then just have a huge party When we got back with all of our friends, I didn't want a stressful wedding. I didn't want, we'd had enough stress in our lives. And we were like, do you know what? We don't need to have children in order to be happy. We can have a fantastic lifestyle. We have so many nieces and nephews that keep us on our toes. And yes, part of me is now career, my career makes up part of me and And I'm not saying that people with children aren't like that. Um, But for me, my career is my baby. 
it's something that I put my all into. It's something that I feel is a big part of me. It, it's what drives me. It's how I can make mine and Lee's life better. I can progress and that gives us a better quality of life. We can have, we can buy a house, which we're in the process of doing. So we're upsizing from our flat. We can have our nice holidays in the Caribbean. Um, and so for me, my career is important to me. It does drive me and it's a huge part of me. And I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, but it's it's me adapting to the new normal. I have to have a focus and my job role is my focus day to day. And kind of speaking from a from a gendered perspective, I think so often women are almost expected to to do the whole marriage kids thing and put their their career on the sidelines and and I think it's it's a negative and and damaging narrative that is kind of pushed onto women do you think that you as a result of your experiences and as a result of of not being able to have children and, and almost your career as you said being being your baby do you have you faced any negative reactions or or people looking at you in a different way and saying oh and without understanding why you haven't had children and seeing it as a kind of like oh she's chosen her career over children have you kind of noticed that narrative being perpetuated I think in certain circumstances I have there's few people in Night Frank that know what I've been through and know my situation I have not come across one person that has said, oh, well, you're 41, you're married and you haven't had kids yet. Why is that? Um, I haven't had that. And if anyone has ever just like chatted to me, I have my office managers chat to me when I'm in the office. And I know a couple, couple of them know about my situation, but that's come about because they have just said, oh, um, would you have kids or anything like that? like that and I I'm honest with them I, I tell them but there's so many women that I work with negotiator wise sales heads wise office manager wise that have come back to work um and they have children and they are doing an incredible job and right now in these current circumstances how people are juggling working from home juggling childcare and dealing with a pandemic at the same time, they they are true champions and heroes and we can all learn from them um, because it must be incredibly stressful. I know personally, my best friend is working at home with a toddler at the moment and she's just stressed out beyond belief, but she is managing and she's adapting to the new situation. Um, but I... I mean, for example, I can remember sitting in a nail salon and this the technician was talking to me and she was saying, oh, I see that you're engaged. And I, and I was like, yes, and we're getting married soon in the Caribbean and et cetera, et cetera. And she was like, oh, and th then you'll have kids. And I can remember thinking, I'm, I'm sat in this small nail salon where everyone can hear and I... I don't know how to respond to you because I could launch into this whole cancer story, but then that will make her feel really awkward. And I don't know this nail technician. And I can, I remember I made up a story. And when I came out, I thought, 
I, sh I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to justify not having children. It should be every woman's choice, regardless as to whether you can have children or not. It's your decision. And since not being able to have kids, I have met so many other women, and I don't know whether it's just because my eyes are opened more, but I've met so many other women that are like, no, I don't want kids. That's not for me. And it's, it's that, that's as simple as it is. It's just not for them. But no one should justify having kids or not having kids. We are all equal and we can all do our jobs regardless as to whether we have children or not. And to all of the females out there that are working in Night Frank that have kids, you're doing a great job. And for everyone that doesn't have kids, you're still doing a great job. We're all adapting to working from home. We're all moving the firm forward. And I think we've done incredibly well as, as a team, as a whole. Mm, I literally couldn't agree more. And I, I think that's such uh, a powerful thing to be talking about and and thank you for articulating it in such a such a way that I think so many people will relate to that and find it so beneficial just to hear somebody else who is successful talking about it and saying that actually it doesn't matter whether you can have kids whether you can't have kids whether something traumatic has happened to you ultimately you are the the arbiter of your own career trajectory and the way that you want your life to go and there's no place for anybody judging that and you shouldn't have to judge justify the way that you you go about living your life and how you decide to pursue that and and also you've done a lot of of raising awareness around cervical cancer and spoken about it on the tv and the radio and stuff does that come from incidences like that in in the nail salon where you don't want to have to justify yourself and you don't want other people to be in that situation as well yes i think so i felt that if anyone was going to raise awareness of something, then it should be me. I have a performing arts background. I don't mind talking on TV. I don't mind talking on radio. So I kind of looked at it. I was like, right, people need to be aware of cervical cancer and how important screening is and how you should attend. And I thought if anyone should be talking about it, it should be me because I've got training on radio and TV. So let's marry the two together. There might be people out there that have gone through the same experience, but don't want to talk to journalists or be recorded, that kind of thing. And I thought, I don't mind it. So I'm going to talk about it. And anything I can do to raise awareness as to how important it is for women to attend their screenings then if I get one person that goes, or oh, do you know what, I'm due one and I, I haven't actually been and they book in and they go, then my work is done. I had one of my office managers message me the other day. She didn't know about my situation. And she said, oh, Kat, just to let you know, I'll be offline for a couple of hours. I'm really, really sorry, but I've got to go to the doctors and because I've got my screening. And I went, go. You don't have to ask me. You need to go. Don't worry about it. Your work will be fine. We've got everything covered. It's literally a couple of hours. You go. You don't need to be concerned about taking time offline. Um, so yeah, so I think it's, I don't want women to go through the kind of experiences I have. And if you, if I can raise awareness, 
then I think that I have hopefully some something good has come out of a situation that was pretty rubbish at the time. Mm, definitely. I think that's amazing. And I think so many people, as I've already said, will benefit so much from what you've been talking about there. And we'll make sure to link to resources in the show notes of this episode so that anybody who needs them can access them as well. And to divert the topic ever so slightly and move back onto the world of property, you also mentioned that you're in the process of buying uh, buying a home at the moment. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about this and what you're looking for when you thought about making that decision to buy a property? Yes, certainly. We were, well, we currently live in a one bedroom maisonette, which luckily has a lot of space. But during lockdown one, it was apparent that we were just outgrowing this flat and both of us just desired a garden. We don't have a communal garden and we missed it so much. And then the stamp duty holiday came in and we were like, do you know what? Let's just see if we can upsize. So we've now we're in the process of purchasing a two-bedroom property just down the road from where we live now. But the main driving factors were that it's got to have a garden and it's got to have a garage. I have a petrol head of a husband, so the garage was essential so his beloved car can live in there. And I doubt I'll ever see him again. <laughs> and and you mentioned there that, that having a garden was really important. I think that's something that's come up for a lot of people over the past year or so with, with lockdown and needing that access to green space. Is is kind of, And you've mentioned exercise and things like that a few times as well. Is that being outside, that exercise, that green space, something that's incredibly important for your mental health? Yes, you've got to get out and away from the laptop. I, what I do every Monday, I schedule my diary and I put in when I'm going to do exercise whether that's just going out for a walk, whether it's doing an online yoga class, uh, whether that's doing an online cardio hit class, going out for a run. I make sure I go for a run every Saturday morning with a friend of mine. Um, we usually do ballet class together, but obviously we can't at the moment. So we go out for a run, but it's really good just to see another person um, and to get out in the fresh air, um, pound the streets as slowly or as quickly as we feel like on the day but just getting some fresh air getting a break even if it's just walking around the local area the local park I generally walk around the streets nosing at houses um, but it's so important just to get some fresh air it just frees your mind clears it and then you can come back to your laptop refreshed. Mm, yep definitely and I think that's something that so many of us are really looking forward to when the weather starts getting nice again is being able to go outside and not get not get rained on for a change either <laughs> and and looking back at your career both your your property and your performing career are there any particular moments or exciting experiences that that stick out in your mind that you'd like to kind of reflect on and chat a little bit about I do remember when I worked in the Horsham office we obviously dealt with some huge country manners and I can remember Chris who now heads up our Dulwich team he said oh do you want to come and see this house that we've got on he was like it's a big stately home I was like yeah I'll go down and have a look and it was huge and I remember walking in and I remember saying to Chris I was like but where would you put the tv the lounge is so big it's I don't understand where the tv would go and 
we were like, yeah, actually, where would you put it? And it's just seeing properties like that and how people live. If Lee and I moved into it, I don't think we'd see each other for about two weeks because it was so huge. And I just like to try and vision how a family would live in such a such a huge house when you've got so many rooms. You need like to be ringing people on the phone all the time just to find out where they are. But I, I, yeah, I've seen some various properties. I love the little quirky character cottages that um, we used to deal with over in the Loxwood area. We'd had a little gatehouse on and it was a beautiful property. And I, I would have loved to have been able to purchase that and renovate it and have the make the little garden really nice. It was it was such a nice house. And actually, I've just seen that it's um, recently been sold again and they've done so much work to it that it looks even better. So, yeah, I've seen a number of properties, um, but the, the big country stately homes, they're always good to see. Yeah, definitely. They're so... They're so exciting. I mean, I, I've been to a few myself and whenever I go, I'm just like, this is this is another world. And it's, is that what you mean about the being in so many different parts that you wouldn't see anybody else that lives there? I see now why they had all those little bells and stuff in these country houses so you can actually contact people who are in there. So to begin to wrap up every podcast, we do a quick fire round. And the first question of which is city or country? City to work, country to live. Classic or contemporary? Contemporary. Penthouse or townhouse? Townhouse. Call or email? Depends what I'm in the middle of doing and how busy I am. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Office or working from home? A blend of both. Walk or run? Mm, I do both. Both. <laughs> and finally Horsham or London oh you can't do that one to me that's too hard to choose um, <laughs> I love London and I lived there in Muswell Hill for 10 years it's very close to my heart but I love working there but I don't miss living there I I'm back in Horsham despite the fact I said I would never ever live back in Horsham um, I'm here and I love it. <laughs> yep, got to ask a tricky question at the end. It wouldn't be fair to every, all the other yeah. guests otherwise. Um, and the final question that we ask everybody that comes on the podcast is that now we're in our 125th year as Night Frank. What does being a partner in property mean to you? I think it means being that guardian angel to guide you through one of the biggest purchases you'll possibly make in your life. Amazing. That's a great answer. Catherine, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of At Home With. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love it if you shared this episode on social media, and please check out the show notes for more information. I'll be back next Wednesday with another exciting episode.